three, two, one. Big time. Tom, you know how I start these podcasts with like a sort of leading question that has to do with the episode that I'm... That it I bothers me. It feels like I'm being interrogated by the cops. You're not a cop, are you, Eric? I'm not, but the question that I have to ask you today is, you're not a Nazi, are you, Tom? Well, that's a real easy one. Absolutely not. Well, I'm glad and very sad that this is a thing that we have to ask in today's culture. Me too. Welcome to Big Time Whoopsies, a podcast about incompetence on a grand scale. My name is Eric McAdams, and each week I tell a guest, and you the listener, a story from history involving massive incompetence. Today, I have Tom Lockney back on the podcast, even though he was just on the podcast last time. Ooh, I've appeared thrice now. I'm like an ill omen. Our first three-time guest. Thank you for... Helping me realize that would have slipped by me. How are you feeling today, Tom? I'm feeling a little good. I've had two cups of coffee, so I'm you know I got all the 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 caffeine jitters, and I did just eat pizza out of the recycling bin. Cool. Why was it in the recycling bin? I'm absolutely killing being alive. Uh, you can't recycle cheese, as far as I know. Well, my roommate Jane, friend of the show. <laughs> through the box of pizza that still had two full slices in it into the recycling bin thinking that it was empty how do you Ugh, can, how can you think a pizza box is empty if it's got pizza in it like the, the heft i don't know yeah that's that's the thing maybe she just wasn't thinking about the the weight of the thing as she tossed it into the recycled bin and so today i went and i asked her what happened to the pizza and she said oh i recycled it and i went and i dug my two slices out of the Close box. Don't worry. It was not touching the yuck in the bin. And yeah, then I would, reheated couldn't it have it touch any recycling. Ugh, That's disgusting. Stuff. Yeah, it's gross. You could say Jane made a big time whoopsie. Oh. Uh, I'm going to delete that from this. <laughs> <laughs> going to delete that should. joke. Man. So, Tom, we got we got a big one today. Sure sounds like it. Yeah, so uh, not to bite off media majors, but I I think I'm going to steal one of your titles, and I think the title of this one is just going to be called Fuck Nazis. No, I like that. It's very on brand for the network. Yeah, it makes it clear like we are a cohesive group of individuals. In fact, none of us are Nazis. It's not just one of the show. Not only are we not Nazis, we have a stance opposed to them. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> which is, which is surprisingly hard to come by yeah, these days more in the New York Times. Than you might think. Jesus Christ. So specifically today what I'd like to get into is Nazi philosophy. I would like to Ooh. get into the things that influenced Nazis into becoming the culture that they became. Excellent. Let's dive into the brain. You want to get you want to you want to go right in? 
Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, dunk me, dunk me in the pool, Eric. So, uh, quick, we gotta get the kind of big stuff out of the way first. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Nazism is based on scientific racism and eugenics. I should not have to explain to you why this is not a good idea, or why it's a bad idea, or why it's an evil idea. I'm not going to be doing a whole debunking of scientific racism, because essentially, its premise is that some races are intrinsically superior, i.e. more intelligent than others, and that is clinically false. In every possible measure. All pseudoscience. And so much so, Hitler apparently won to actually banned the IQ test in Germany because he said it was Jewish. More likely, it was because oh. Jewish people scored just as highly on it as his so-called master race. He also banned any art that he didn't understand and any art that portrayed Germany or war in an unflattering light. Listen, sometimes I'll, like, watch a TV show and I won't enjoy it, you know? The the Gundam Gundam's never hooked me, you know. I love boys and mechs fighting for truth or power, justice or whatever the fuck they do on that show, but it's never hooked me. But I would never I would never go out into the world and say Gundam should not exist because it's not explicitly for me and my my values. I'd like that I wasn't the one to make the anime reference. Here, look at that. It's all part of my big plan to eventually kill you and take over your identity. You can, How about, Hi. can you, like, just take over Shimanime and then that'll be it? <laughs> so I, oh, I don't, I don't know if I like that. Maybe, <laughs> mm, I wonder why. Can't mm, imagine why uh, you wouldn't like that idea. I mean, because I can get drunk and watch Pokemon, like, whenever the fuck I want to. I don't want to make it my job. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's hold off on calling it a job. We have never been paid for it. <laughs> You've been paid in love. So, on top of the whole scientific racism is just wrong thing, a lot of the core tenets of Nazism are kind of cherry-picked from other cultures and ignore any kind of context or uh, facts about it that the Nazis didn't enjoy. For instance, the swastika and the whole idea of the Aryan master race were taken from other, not even uh, Western European white cultures, which is kind of weird i feel well, like that's how they that's how they operate i mean like whenever they say well, like white culture or like european culture they're referring to a thing that like an ide- an ideal that they have that doesn't exist that is just um stripped from stripped selectively like you said from other cultures because like i i've said this on media majors but like irish culture is different from belgian culture yeah. it's different from like britain's culture which is basically we stole everything um but they they and then didn't use it but nazis don't see the world that way they don't understand that there is a distinction between all these different uh caucasian ethnicities that they they just want a blanket whiteness yeah that that doesn't make sense and should not exist yeah well a blanket whiteness that is specifically german yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's all white people, but it's really the German people. It doesn't make sense if you examine it uh, more closely. All right, so one more kind of slightly disclaimery thing: people's worldviews are nebulous things. They're not. They're, they don't have clearly deducible ancestors. It's not like, oh, this guy read this thing, and that's why he's like this. What happens is people. Uh, consume 
inductive clouds of reasoning. They get a lot of different sources and it all combines to inform their views. And while some of them make sense, some of them are kind of weird and feel like they probably shouldn't be there. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Cool, cool. Like the obvious ones, you know, you've got the music of Wagner makes a lot of sense. Wagner didn't like the Jews and he made really good music that uh, appealed to Hitler's sensibilities. Makes sense that Hitler liked Wagner. (laughs) (laughs) Basically the only, the only qualifier for being friends with a Nazi is like, you have to just hate the same people that they hate. Yeah. They also, he also, you know, Martin Luther was a influence on Nazism. He really didn't like Jews. Oh, oh. Was that one of his 99 theses? Yeah, the guy who, you know, made Protestantism and is one of the most important historical figures has a lot of stuff about how Jews are like the devil's children. Oh, man. There's so many famous people that just turned out to be racist and horrible and awful, like Gandhi. Ooh, more on uh, people that turned out to be racist and horrible later this episode. Ooh, ooh. Fun. So I can't wait. Call with, out post. So yeah, so that was that was kind of my disclaimer at the beginning of this. Uh, let's get into a few different uh, ideas and <laughs> groups of people that influenced the Nazis. All right, Eric, lay some stupid idiot philosophy right on my face. We're gonna start with we're gonna start with what a lot of people think is the big one, but is actually not. We're gonna start with the Thule Society. What's the Thule Society? The Eric? Thule Society was an occultist group of men in in Germany before uh, 1930. I think it started in the 20s or maybe just before that. The Thule Society was occultist in that it like believed in astrology and maybe you know some of them thought they could do spells. It wasn't like we're all believers in satan we're all demonically possessed it's not that big of a deal so this is like when when you're a kid and you see star wars for the first time and you like try to move something with your mind yes yes absolutely it's like it's you know the you know the people on twitter who identify as witches oh yeah yeah, yeah. in that they really are into like the zodiac and dressing up that's the Which that's twitter? the thule yeah. society oh okay and so specifically dorks. just a bunch of dorks <laughs> yes and you'll see why even more so in a second because Next the one. Thule Society was named because <laughs> <laughs> the Thule Society was named because in Greek mythology there is a mythical uh, continent in the Arctic Circle called Hyperborea Literally, what that means, Boreas is the north wind in Greek mythology. Hyper means above, beyond north. That's what that means. Oh, really? That's Hyperborea. Oh. In the Greek, big tall. Yeah, in Greek short. legend, Hyperborea was home to, funnily enough, the Hyperboreans, a, a bunch of giants who lived there. That's dope as shit. And apparently the Thule Society thought that this bunch of giants was in fact the Aryan race <laughs> wait so hang on a second so they they legitimately believe that giants existed in the world and were the master race I don't think so. I don't I think they just kind of went like eh, giants are lame they're actually just Aryans oh that's so stupid 
and sorry, cool. I'm sorry, everybody. I feel like I should apologize ahead of time because I feel like a lot of my reactions are <laughs> this episode are going to be that's the, the dumbest fucking thing I've heard in my life. <laughs> Thule was supposed to be the capital of Hyperborea. That's where they got their name. What a fun! What a bunch of fucking nerd ass Lord of the Rings <laughs> bullshit. Oh, you know I can move. I can move shit with my mind because I'm the whitest person in the world, and that makes me strong and powerful. I'm a large. I'm a large adult son. I move things with my mind, and I'm named after a fictional city from Greek mythology called Thule. <laughs> Guardians of Cthul. Ugh. <laughs> That was a good reference to an owl movie directed by Zack Snyder that nobody saw. I saw part of it and then snuck into Disturbia, a PG-13 movie that I was allowed to see because I was 13, but had to wait because my parents didn't want me to see it. So I had to go into the right theater and then sneak to the other one. Nice, nice, nice. I wouldn't be surprised if there were like Arctic explorers at the beginning of the 20th century who were trying to find like lost continents full of magical people yeah i mean that's what a lot of like horror stuff was based on when we were exploring the antarctic it's like what if we find something and it f- it's bad fucking news yeah and, and there's plenty of, i mean us. this it falls into like indiana jones and the pulp traditions of the same era like going to unexplored yeah. regions and finding whole civilizations that we had never heard yeah. of we find new shit and sometimes new shit is scary yeah so the thule society because they like you know, were astrologers essentially got this big reputation as being like the occult power behind the Nazi regime. Oh God! When in actuality, they disbanded before World War Two. <laughs> oh. Not that big of a deal, the Thule Society. But if they <laughs> did play, but a lot of prominent Nazis sure came out of it. That's for sure. That's the end of the Thule Society. We're going to move on to Arthur de Gobineau. Just a quick note about Arthur de Gobineau. He was French. And he was a he was a writer who said that humanity was doomed because it kept miscegenating. Uh, can you define miscegenating for Interbreeding me? Interbreeding between races. Oh, oh what? Miscegenation, uh, as in uh, superior races interbreeding with inferior races. <sighs> and his work goes on to funnily enough inspire a lot of nazis but here's weird the, how that happens here's the really weird part he was not anti-semitic he, uh, he was jews anti- were one of the superior races he viewed them in a positive light then how did the nazis take his racist philosophy and and read it as about jewish people or did they, they just, just did they just really like the idea of miscegenation being bad that's pretty much it. They just kind of ignored the whole Jews aren't so bad part. <laughs> Fucking Nazis. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. It's so dumb. I have nothing to say about it. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's all I've got about Arthur de Kobino. I just think it's funny. Like, they just kind of failed the reading comprehension test. We, like, if you're a racist, they'll just kind of co-opt your racism to fit their racism that's why you shouldn't be racist well also you shouldn't be racist because people are human beings there are a lot of different reasons why you shouldn't be racist infinite (laughs) i could probably just kind of keep coming up with them yeah we the next hour of big time whoopsies is us just talking about why racism is fucking stupid (laughs) 
we're actually moving through this faster than I was expecting. Wonderful. Maybe it won't be that. Maybe it won't be like a whole another hour. That's pretty good. That's good. So let's get to a weirder one because that one was kind of boring. Sometime before 1900, a man named Hans Horbiger. That's had a, a fun name. Had a vision. Oh, did he now? Oh, did he now? Ooh. And tell me, pray tell me, Eric, what did Mr. Horbinger see? A well, Harbinger Horbinger, really? Well, he was looking. A Horbinger Harbinger. When he had. <laughs> Tom, you need, to, you need to kind of get your jokes in and then let me talk here. Sorry. <laughs> you can't just keep doing them. <laughs> so, when he had his vision, Hans was looking at the moon. Guess what the vision revealed to him about the moon? Moon? is just a giant titty. <laughs> God's titty, they call it. <laughs> The vision that Hans Horbiger had was that the moon was so shiny because it was made of ice. I mean, space is cold. Do we know that space was cold back then? Sort of. Okay. Listen, like, I'm not... I'm sure this is going to turn out that he's a Nazi and he's a dumb person, but, like, if I was in in the 30s or whenever the fuck this guy was staring at the moon mm-hmm. and i didn't know shit about shit about space because yeah. i'm a dumb person we haven't even left our fucking earth yet yeah you know i could i can understand looking at the sky and being like oh that there that there what gives us light in the night ice yeah that kind of makes sense i mean there were rumors that it was like like there's the whole like you know children's story that it was made of cheese yeah. ice is definitely okay. it makes a lot more sense than that a lamer than cheese though here's the thing though he doesn't stop there oh really continue this vision gives rise to what he calls the uh, Velta Islera. Which means? Which means the world ice theory. And what's the world ice theory? Is it that the moon was part of the earth and then came off? Kind of. Hans Horbiger believes that the fundamental building block of the entire universe is ice. Hang on a second. I'm... Listeners, maybe you can hear. I'm drinking some water. Hot podcast tip for you all. Drink water. Avoid dry mouth. I'm, I pulled a piece of ice out. I'm holding it in my hand. And it's melting. And it's melting and it's turning into water. My hand is very cold and now it's dripping all over me. So I'm also wet. But as proof of this, I can definitively say that ice is maybe not the whole, the whole thing. It's maybe not like the big one. Look at that. Look at that. I did I just disproved an entire Nazi theory in 2 fucking seconds. Planets. Give me money. Moons and stars all were made at least in some ways of ice. His theory revolved around the idea that I think two stars collided and one was like made of water somehow. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. They collided and there was some kind of explosion. And that threw all the ice, you know, out into the cosmos. And I think that's his explanation for why we see stars at night. It's just glittery ice particles. 
Yeah, you know, the shitty cold Big Bang that made the universe and yeah. made all the stars. And it should be said, astronomers at this point knew that there were, like, st- that those things were stars and they, like, they were in places and they weren't just made out of fucking ice. They knew this. <laughs> astronomers they... knew this at the time. This is, like, remember, this is not too long before they started, like, splitting the atoms. Science isn't that far in the dark at this point. Okay, so this so this guy just is... is being a uh, like a dude online with no experience who wants to explain to a bunch of trained professionals why they're wrong and why he's right. Yeah, that's pretty much it, because this does not deter Hans Horbiger. Specifically after World War One, world ice theory starts picking up steam because after getting essentially laughed out of any academic setting he tried to bring it to, he decided, hmm. hey, fuck academia, I'll just tell the masses about my idea. Weird that it's picking up steam. I guess the ice must be melting. Mm. But um, so he just he starts essentially having like lectures in the crowd on the street. Oh no, because he avoids academia. Oh, like he okay. specifically tries to like indoctrinate people who don't know shit about astronomy. Hey, you kid! You want to know <laughs> something about the world? It was all fucking ice. You see that? I'm going to throw <laughs> ice at you. That's the world I'm throwing at you. Moon by my made out of ice. There used to be other moons, but they got absorbed into the, into the earth. That's how ice works, buddy. Oh, me? I've never taken a science class in my life. I, I'm still throwing ice at you. Yep. Why, why are you running away? <laughs> I'm so alone. This would all be well and good. Except then a man named Houston Stewart Chamberlain finds out about it. And early on, he is a big fan of world ice theory. Houston Stuart Chamberlain was a man who was born in Britain and was raised partially in France. He was also a Nazi. Okay, there it is. Houston Stuart Chamberlain uh, was like a sickly kid. And at first he really liked France. He talked in French all the time rather than English, even though he knew both the languages. Mm-hmm. And then he heard Wagner's music and said, hey, fuck France and Britain. I'm German now. Ah, I see. You know how you can just change your nationality? Yeah, pretty much. He liked Wagner's music so much that he married Wagner's daughter. Whoa, that's so (laughs) weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Bowie, I'm a huge fan. Do you, wait, does David Bowie have kids? Yes, he definitely does. Hi, Janelle Bowie. <laughs> you want to? Hey, hey, you want to get out of here? By Vegas, it's like a three. Want to talk drive. about we your dad's music? <laughs> I know a about... lot about your dad's music. I don't want to talk about your dad's music. I want to talk about your dad's dick in Labyrinth. What was up with that? Yeah, actually, I, I will talk about this tangent because I think there are two movies made by the Jim Henson Company around that time. And there are two kinds of kids who saw them. There are the kids who saw Labyrinth and the kids who saw The Dark Crystal. The kids who saw Labyrinth got real horny. (laughs) And the kids who saw The Dark Crystal became huge nerds. Guess which one I saw? Um, you saw The Dark Crystal. You're damn right I saw The Dark Crystal. Loved that movie. Here's, well, no, no, no. Here's, Here's a fun fact about this guest. I've seen half of the dark crystal and half of labyrinth 
a couple times each. Don't know why I've never seen the full movies, which is why I'm an extremely horny nerd, ergo the least appealing type of person on the planet <laughs> Earth. I have seen all of both of them, but I didn't see the Labyrinth. I didn't see Labyrinth when I was a kid, and honestly, I'm kind of happy about it because if I'd seen Labyrinth as a kid, David Bowie's bulge would have had like a place in my psyche. Oh yeah, no, it gets it, David Bowie gets top billing. His dick gets second. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would have like bothered me, particularly, but it would have been there. You know, and and I'm I just was kind really... of happy it wasn't when I was a kid, like a child. I was really skeptical uh, when they cast Danny DeVito to play David Bowie's dick, but I think he does a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> Danny DeVito is a fucking American treasure, and I would see a movie where he played David Bowie's dick. That's not a joke. Yeah. I'm not being funny. Right I would now. watch that movie. Are you kidding me? So back to this. Houston Stewart Chamberlain marries Wagner's daughter. He joins the Bayreuth Circle, which is essentially just a group of writers who like Wagner's music. Like, that's it. People okay. made, people made like, groups for anything in these days, man. I mean, they still do. They still do, homie. You've been on Twitter? Some yeah. dark quarters on Twitter. Yeah, but it's not just like, you know, we shall meet in this club to talk about Wagner, and we shall call ourselves the Bayreuth Circle. <laughs> I'm probably... <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably mispronouncing that also. Oh, man. They're so bad at naming things. Chamberlain was an early fan of World Ice Theory, and he helped popularize it in Nazi Germany. Chamberlain also wrote one of the defining texts of Nazi Germany, detailing how some races were good and other ones were bad. How does the World Ice Theory have to do with racism? Or is it more just an example of... The fact that Nazis are not intelligent people who can be fooled into believing anything. It's an example of how Nazis are dumb. Okay, cool. Well, that also is super excellent. According to, like, some sources online, Nazis liked World Ice Theory so much that Adolf Hitler made it the official cosmology of the Third Reich. Oh my god. Yeah. Take this with a bit of a grain of salt. I couldn't find too many scholarly sources for this. Just a lot of, like, Wikipedia and internet stuff. Cool. With that, how some Nazis believed that the universe was made primarily out of ice and that stars weren't stars, they were just ice, we're going to take a break and hear an ad from another show on the Major Cast Network. I'm Tom Lockney. And I'm Liam Sr. I really like video games and internet culture. And I like movies and TV. And every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other person. It's super fun and it's great. And even when it gets a little intense, we find the last in it, damn it. Lots of learning, lots of laughter, sometimes bummers, but lots of friendship. Media Majors. Every Monday on the Major Cast Network. Three, two, one. Small whoopsie. Little whoopsie. Little whoopsie. No, it's still big, because now we get to talk about Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> All right. Dig in. Dig in, Eric. <laughs> I'm not a huge Nietzsche fan. Knew a lot of people in college who quoted Nietzsche a lot, and a lot of people whose world beliefs and philosophy was influenced by Nietzsche. So I'm not exactly the hugest fan of Frederick. Friedrich Nietzsche wasn't actually that bad a dude i mean he was he's got some pretty cool stuff actually he was born in 1844 he was originally a philologist which i think is just a fancy word for like literature majors who wanted to read the things in the original latin 
Oh, that's disappointing. A philologist yeah. sounds like somebody who sings that uh, la 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 Christmas song over and over again. I don't think he was much of a singer. He doesn't look like it anyway. I don't think there's any photo where Friedrich Nietzsche looks like a normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a broom in place of where a mustache should be. And he constantly looks like someone just told him that his favorite movie sucks. Hang on, I'm Googling a picture of Frederick so we can just properly drag this boy. <laughs> Rake him over the fucking coals. Hit him. Light this motherfucker up. Friedrich, you're about to get slammed. All right, well, I, I, his mustache is begging for me to grab onto it and, and rip it off. There's so much. It's so loose. It looks a lot like <laughs> steel wool. He's got a very intense and very intense eyes, probably from all the cocaine. <laughs> Actually, it was all the opium, funnily <laughs> enough. So this guy, he beca- oh man. He became a philosopher, specifically a writer. But what's interesting about Nietzsche is that he got so influential despite never really putting forward a specific central worldview. Most of his writing is devoted to tearing down ideas that other people put forward. Like, he would write in this kind of pithy, almost proverbial style, where he would just kind of shoot out interesting thoughts about how, like, why something was bullshit. Which makes him pretty fun to read, to be honest. I mean, it's like a, it's like a written podcast. Like, you know, he, he talks about popular ideas and cultural events and gives his own hot take on them. Yeah, pretty much. Guess who he was friends with? Hitler. Richard Mussolini? Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. Him again. Him again. However, after being friends with Wagner and maybe trying to, like, seduce Wagner's wife, it's unclear. Nice. <laughs> nice. Not successfully. There are, like, some people who say that uh, he never married or anything, so there are people who are like, he was secretly gay. That's the only hmm. explanation. You have to have a special kind of, like, hate and confidence in you to try to seduce your friend's wife. Oh, well, Wagner, Jesus Christ, he was... He had some confidence then because he fathered children with another man's wife. Oh my god. The uh, the daughter that Houston Stewart Chamberlain married, her last name isn't Wagner because Wagner fucked the guy's wife, had the daughter while they were still married. Ugh. Dudes are fucking awful. Yeah. Always been awful. They're awful now. And they need to stop being awful. I don't like them. <laughs> Like, dudes, I'm, I'm sexually attracted to dudes, like, and they make it so hard to like them. It's impossible. Oh, wait. Oh, we've had a conversation, a, like, fun, flirty conversation for, like, five minutes, and you already talked about how much you do not like women. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was friends with Wagner, but he severed ties with Wagner because he couldn't deal with Wagner's pessimism or his anti-Semitism. That's right. Okay. Nietzsche was not an anti-Semite and actually frequently spoke out against it. Good for him. Yeah. In a lot of his writings, especially to his sister Elizabeth, more on her in a second, he talked about how anti-Semites were taking over Germany and how they wouldn't poison his work. He also kind of went crazy near the end of his life. He, um, in 1899, he had some kind of mental breakdown 
and died later that year. Some people say he had like tertiary stage syphilis. Some people say he had other things. He dies at the age of 54, which is relatively young, not that young. And he spends a lot of his last 10 years addicted to opium because of pain and other physical maladies. And because it's a whole bunch of fun to do. <laughs> Big Time Whoopsies does not endorse the use of opiates, opioids, or just opium. Neither do I. They're bad for you. Yeah, don't do not do them, guys. Listen, do not do as I do, not as I say. Yeah. <laughs> don't get addicted to opium, but do joke about how fucking awesome opium is. Yeah, well, he certainly liked it. He took a lot of it. Had some kind of mental breakdown about 10 years before his death, uh, and his sister became his caretaker. His sister, he had had a lot of... He had had a difficult relationship with his sister, primarily because she really didn't get his philosophy. He would write stuff and she would kind of go like, well, this is fucking nonsense. That's kind of like what I have going on with my brother where he's like, oh yeah, like you do a podcast, but like, I don't get why you talk about the things you're talking about. And I think it's stupid. (laughs) My brother and I love each other very much. Uh Uh-huh. So she could not reconcile his philosophies, which were essentially, you know, here's why this philosophy kind of sucks. She could not reconcile that with her own worldview. So much so that she actually hired someone to tutor her who gave up because he said she was unteachable. Which, like, probably not true, but whatever. Like, anyone's teachable. It's not that hard. Yeah. Well, then that's real love there, to be to take care of your, your brother whose philosophy actively bothers you because you can't understand it. Well, let's see if you think the next part is real love. Elizabeth Forster Wallace... Uh, Wallace. Elizabeth Forster... <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! David Foster Wallace had a sister. She went back in time and is Frederick Nietzsche's sister. Yeah, Elizabeth Forster Nietzsche became Friedrich Nietzsche's caretaker. And partially because she had been married to a racist anti-Semite before that guy died. Once Friedrich Nietzsche died, she became the sole caretaker of his work and changed a lot of his writings to fit her worldview. Oh, oh, I think I might have actually heard about this. Yeah, yeah. You probably heard about it from me, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, that's almost certainly true. Yeah. Nietzsche's writing was never particularly pro-Christian and was never anti-Semitic. It did mention an ubermensch. That's part of where, you know, the god-man idea came from in Nazism. But the ubermensch was a more complicated idea than just, like, is a better race than other people. Forster Nietzsche, Elizabeth Forster Nietzsche, rewrites a lot of his final works so that they include stuff that's very Christian, that's, that suits that kind of conservative thing, is pretty anti-Semitic, and that's those are the versions that get circulated through prominent Nazi members, specifically Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler becomes such a huge fan of Friedrich Nietzsche and such good friends with Elizabeth Forster Nietzsche that he actually goes to her funeral in 1935. Wow. Man, that really, that fucking sucks, though, to have your entire life's work completely changed like that. And that's why Nietzsche is associated with Nazism to this day. That would be like if after you died, your sister went 
through every episode of Big Time Whoopsie and then like spliced in you saying the N word like a whole bunch. Yeah, that yeah, that would that's very similar. Which Lily would never do. Yeah. Because no. she's not a Nazi and great. Yeah, I would trust her with my, with my creative work after I died. If anything, she would steal. Uh, she would edit in fart noises into big time whoopsies and blame it all on you. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that would be okay. I'd be fine with that, that being my be legacy. So awesome. Yeah. I just can you imagine? Fucking your whole creative work gets changed and then given to Nazis and they adopt it. Well, I mean, like, I get this is kind of the theme of this episode, but that's totally what they do is they they have no original ideas. They take yeah. something that exists and then they kind of selectively strip. Yeah, they just it bastardize it and then and then add in a whole bunch of slurs into it. Yeah, like it's all so stupid. All right. So we got one more part of Nazi philosophy that I want to talk to you about. All right. And what's that, Eric? Well, you know what was a big influence on Adolf Hitler and a lot of other uh, Nazis? Uh, if I remember the last big time whoopsies I was on, it was failing out of art school. Well, it we was could, that we... and also the United States of America. Oh, yeah. We sure were. America wasn't that anti-Nazi before the Nazis, you know, covered the we, whole earth in war. Yeah, we super were not anti-Nazi. Here's a here's a short example. Uh, there were plenty of American eugenicists uh, before mm-hmm. World War II. And uh, after World War II, eugenics kind of goes out of fashion in America. Isn't that weird? Huh. Strange. Yeah. I, no one like, would expect it, yeah. It's almost like they went into hiding for some reason. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's weird. How would they want to do that? So, there were a couple eugenicists. One named E.S. Gosney and the other named Paul Popeno. <laughs> oh my god. I know, right? Very good names. I know, it sounds like, these two sound like they run a gay bed and breakfast in England. <laughs> but instead, they worked in California where they uh, started and maintained an involuntary sterilization program. Oh, boy. Wait, involuntary? Would they, like, kidnap people or prisoners? The program's goal was to reduce the incidence of mental retardation, and so they would involuntarily sterilize mentally Uh, ill people from asylums and hospitals. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. This is fucking awful. This, like, really viscerally upsets me. California was not the only state in America to do this, but it was by far the most prolific. Over a third of American citizens who were involuntarily sterilized came from California. Over 20,000 in total from California alone. You know how some people listen to podcasts to, like, have a good time and forget about, you know, what's going on in the world in 2017? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you just, you can't, you shut off Twitter for a little bit, you put on a video game, and you listen to a podcast. Uh, this yeah. This is not, this is not one of those podcasts. This podcast is loud and proud about what the fuck is going on. Uh-huh. Yeah, remember that this is technically still a comedy podcast. Technically speaking, yeah. yes. <sighs> Guess who was inspired by this eugenics program? Uh, Adolf Hitler, probably Rommel. 
Nazi no. regime went on to involuntarily sterilize over 400,000 people. Jesus fucking Christ. That's yeah. that is that is ridiculous. That is some of like the most The Nazis did like a lot of fucking evil shit. Like involuntary sterilization is super fucking high on that list. Yeah. It, the the main method used by ES Gosney and Paul Popno was involuntary vasectomies. Okay. Because it was specifically for curtailing reproductive efforts. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like that. And this is a whole thing in America. A lot of different places did it. I think Oregon was the last one to stop. Good. Um, and it happened way right. later than you'd think it would. And then uh, I don't even want to get into what happened in Puerto Rico. Oh, my God. That might you know, ha- this might come back in a future big time whoopsies episode, but you can look all this stuff up if you want. Yeah, and like I, by the way, I'm speaking as somebody who is once once he's got the the capital for it, defo gonna get a vasectomy. Do not like kids. Do not want them. This okay fucking kids. really upsets me. Yeah, if somebody is gonna cut open my penis, it's <laughs> it's gonna be because I gave the go ahead. I'm okay. gonna look that doctor right in the eye. I'm gonna grab his hand as he holds the scalpel. I'm gonna say, you do it. You do it. You cut into my vast deference. <laughs> yep. Do it, you animal. All right, so that's one way that the Americans influenced Nazi Germany. Want to hear another one? Absolutely. There's this uh, newspaper in that that was formed in 1918 called the Dearborn Independent. The Dearborn Independent was very quickly bought by Henry Ford, noticed, noted uh, industrialist. Might have heard of him. He did mm-hmm. something with cars, I think. I don't know. I don't really use cars. <laughs> Nor have I ever him. seen one. I don't trust him. I, I stare down at the sidewalk. Why would I want to look at it? It's a big bulk of metal. It's gross. Get it out of my face. Well, you may have heard of Ford. They make a lot of American cars, and people ten, tend to think that Ford is a good company, one that embodies a lot of good American values. Whose slogan I hate, by the way built ford tough what does that mean i think that's specifically just for their trucks <laughs> Ugh, truck culture yeah Ugh. god i was in i was in maine the other day and we drove by some car dealerships and like two-thirds of the cars in these dealerships were full-size pickup trucks like the ones that are like tanks I try to let I try to live and let live uh, vis-a-vis the things that people define their identities by, but it does like really actually bother me how much people who own trucks define their identity by the fact that they own a truck. And like I feel like especially in places that I have lived, half the people I've seen with like gigantic fuck off trucks don't use them for like picking up things. I was, I was in a relationship with somebody for a time who constantly, constantly made fun of me because she had a truck and I did not. That's it? That's, that was like the whole basis of this bit. This like oh. month long bit in, the, in this relationship until I was like, this is fucking stupid. Can you please stop? Leave me alone. Because the joke was she was more manly than you because she had a truck, right? No, like, that wasn't even it. It wasn't even, like, a masculine thing. It was just, like, your really? car sucks because it's not a truck. And I was, that like... That totally... The way the way you talked about it totally smacks of, like, toxic masculinity to me. I mean, like, it, yeah, you're a dude and you was. don't have a truck? That's Ugh. weird. You must not have a dick. 
Well, I don't. I was lying earlier about the vasectomy. Ah, okay. The Dearborn Independent, in 1920, so a couple years after it was founded, it starts publishing a series of articles that were all written under Henry Ford's byline. In actuality, it was more likely that he dictated these through these opinions to his secretary and his editor, William J. Cameron, and that William J. Cameron added his own opinions as well. The title of this collection of articles, because it would later be collected into four books, was The International Jew. Is this where we get globalist from? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, because you know how, like, Not directly. Now, people, people, when people say globalist, what they really mean is, like, Jew and not in a good way. Yeah. So, The International Jew was about how Jewish bankers controlled the world's gold supply, specifically oh how God. they controlled the United States' this. gold supply, and how they caused World War I to enrich themselves. That doesn't make any fucking sense. It goes on to talk about how Jewish bankers' influence was everywhere, and that German Jewish bankers specifically were, t- were the blame here. What? How? Like, what, what exactly did they do to engineer the Great War? It's... I look. I did not read this whole four book series about how I Jews don't blame control you, the world. Homie. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Like you get one per episode. It's mostly like that's it. Like they just do. Don't worry okay. about it. And Ford was known for kind of blaming everything that bad that happened in his life on Jewish people. This series of articles eventually caused an uproar in America. Like years later. Uh, libel suits, uh, civil lawsuits, and a concerted effort from the Anti-Defamation League caused Ford to shut down the Independent and recant publicly his anti-Semitic views. A lot of newspaper coverage, by the way, was mostly about how Ford was shocked at the content of these articles, and he had no idea that it was so anti-Semitic, or else he would have shut it down years ago, when, like, Um, everyone close to him was like, yeah, he knew exactly what was going into those fucking articles. That'd be like saying, like, Rupert Murdoch doesn't know what Fox News is. Like, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. But despite the fact that he publicly recanted, despite the fact that he shut down the Dearborn Independent, the damage had already been done. This four-volume collection that I talked about was actually specifically the German republishing of the work, and the full title was The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem. And you want to know something really interesting? Oh, do I? In Adolf Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, there is exactly one American that he praises. Henry Ford. It's fucking Henry Ford. Fuck. He would later remove that in later editions of Mein Kampf. (laughs) Ah. Because, you know, Americans weren't their friends anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (sighs) Oh, boy. So those are the Nazi influences that I wanted to highlight for this episode of Big Time Whoopsies. Thank you very much, Eric. I feel like I understand, you know, I understand the Nazis any a uh, little a little better. I don't I don't side with them. That's oh, not good. what I mean by that. I mean I get why they suck a little bit more. Mhm. 
Yep. Man, one day somebody's going to listen to the things that I've said about Nazis and people on the internet on a podcast that I've been on, and I'm going to get a lot of mean tweets. <laughs> all of us. All of us, probably. Dude, I don't care. Nuke my fucking <laughs> Menchie's internet Nazis, I've, I yeah, dare I've you. Been, I've been interning at Paste Magazine, and I wrote a whole thing about cultural appropriation. I have already experienced a lot of mean Facebook comments. Eric's skin is noticeably thicker right now. Like, I'm looking at him, and even over Skype, I can see that he has gained, like, an entire inch, and it looks a little bit like stone. Yeah, I'm a human tank now. He's like the thing from Marvel. Yeah. So we got to do a pickle for the knowing ones because I haven't been doing them really the last couple episodes. I kind of copped out the last two times. Uh, so Getting lazy, Eric. Yeah, you know. Eric's just a lazy piece of shit. So we're going to keep talking about Germany for this pickle for the knowing ones. And actually, Ooh. instead of talking about them in World War II and the Nazi regime, we're going to talk about Germany in World War One. Oh. A pickle for the knowing ones... Uh, is meant to be a kind of balm for you after a giant story about incompetence on a grand scale. It's going to be a short story about competence in an absurd way. And we're going to talk about a specific piece of weaponry that the German army had in World War One. All right, cool. I like weapons, I guess. <laughs> is that a weird thing to say? That's a weird <laughs> thing to say. That's an extremely weird thing to say. <laughs> weapons are fine. Wait, no, that's also weird. No! I'm yeah. trapped! Yeah. I'm trapped in an Ouroboros of machinery. <laughs> Bad opinions. Oh, boy. The weapon was called the Paris gun, colloquially. And because it was made in Paris? Because it was no. designed to destroy Paris? Because it was designed to besiege Paris. Aha! And it was also shaped like the Eiffel Tower. Well, kind of. Because oh, really? the Paris gun was fucking gigantic. Oh my god, awesome. The total barrel length of the Paris gun was 112 feet. That's a very crucial piece of information. That is a very, very big barrel. What I want to know, how, how big of a hole am I dealing with here? Like, could two people theoretically have sex inside of a gun because no. that would be the most heavy metal thing of all time they could not because the hole was not that big damn it because this gun was designed to shoot targets that were incredibly far away the long barrel was for accuracy it had a relatively small hole it would fire 200 pound projectiles that only carried 15 pounds of tnt which oh, wow. was not a big blast for a gun and a projectile of that size and weight no. This combination of the incredibly large gun and the pretty small projectile meant that these guns could fire with relative accuracy <laughs> at a distance of 70 plus miles. Oh my god. This was so far that the German engineers, when they were calculating the trajectory, had to take into account the curvature of the Earth. And the rotation, too, probably. Yeah, and the rotation. Oh, my God. I love how how shitty we were at, like, how brutal and shitty we were at killing each other for so long. Like, war, for the longest time, was, like, 
all right, I'm going to shoot you, and then you're going to shoot me. It's only the polite thing to do, which yeah. is completely insane. They're uh-huh. fighting like they're playing a fucking Pokemon video game. Yeah, and, and now like, we have a gun. Especially in fucking Europe. Like, they uh, have all these rules for military engagements that, like, they eventually go like, actually, this is kind of dumb, huh? Yeah, this is insane. I don't want to... If I'm a soldier, I don't want to die on the battlefield, so I'm not going to follow the rules that yeah. probably lead to my death? Military etiquette is insane to me, and I'll probably do an episode about it eventually. It's just... It's all predicated on the idea that, like, you should treat the opponent's soldiers well when they're trying to kill you, and you're trying to kill them, because your nations are going to keep fighting each other, and in the future... They'll remember how you treated them, and you want it to be a civil battlefield as possible for the future battles? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you killed my brother, but but you did warn him about it first, so, like, we're good. Yeah, and you did, like, you know, do big, uh, give a big fluttery speech afterwards, so. So, did this, did this, like, fucking huge gun that was definitely in no way uh, overcompensation for penis length, uh, <laughs> did, did it ever kill anyone of any note because that's what i would use a thing that could shoot 70 miles for well it couldn't shoot with much accuracy because it's not like they could see their targets from 70 miles away could you put it in like a plane no it it had to be on like a a railroad wow oh my god this remember it's 112 feet long that's longer than a basketball court I'm imagining, like, a whole bunch of men. You know how, like, when dudes go to, like, lakes or whatever, they do that, like, hut, hut, hut thing where they carry, like, a canoe? <laughs> yeah. They carry a canoe? I'm imagining that, but with this huge fucking gun, and there's some guy at the trigger end running and jumping <laughs> around, and then, like, the guy at the front of the line is like, No! Do it now! <laughs> I really like that. Shoot the gun now, Jerry! <laughs> Then it fires and they all fall down. <laughs> it fires, they all fall down. It misses. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it hits like a flower shop in France somewhere. Yeah, because literally that's what would happen. They could fire it with accuracy, but only accurate to like a target the size of a city. Oh my god! So, so there's so it was just like a tool of random bombardment. Pretty much. So it was less like a tool of mass destruction, or like it. Di- I think it wounded less than a thousand people and they could fire it 20 times a day. Like, it wasn't doing that much damage for, like, a siege weapon. However, Mm. because they're so far away, the bullets went so high, first of all, that they entered the stratosphere. That's fucking dope as shit. 25 miles into the air, these bullets (sighs) went. And actually, that makes them the first man-made objects to go into the stratosphere. There is a kind of sick poetry to that. that the first yeah, thing the that... first objects that we sent to the stratosphere were, were uh, articles of war. Yep. Objects of war. God, human beings Weapons. are so fucking stupid. Yep, yep, yep. So it went so high that when they hit Paris, because that's what they were used on, that's why it's called the Paris gun... They hit Paris after being fired from a from a gun 75 miles away. Paris thought that they, they were getting um, bombarded by high-altitude zeppelins. Oh, wow. Because they couldn't hear any planes. That's These pretty... bullets just came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> oh, my God. And this is partially by design. Germans wanted this to be like a psychological weapon. 
to kind of make you feel like they could their attacks could come at any time with no warning at all. I mean which, that works. You know. Like that's that's basically like a proto Blitzkrieg thing, which was just yeah. like, yeah, we'll just get our planes and we'll blow. It doesn't matter what we blow up, we'll blow something up, and it will ruin people's days and lives. Yep, 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 yep. Pretty much. I think there was like one anecdote on Wikipedia where, of like the most damage any one shot ever did from one of these guns, is when uh, it hit the roof of a church. And it caused the church to fall on the congregation, killing, like, 90 people. Are there any of these still around in, like, a museum or something? I don't know. That's hmm. a good question. Because you could make a sick human cannonball out of one of those things. I don't think you'd fit again. Eh, like, you could make the barrel a little wider. <laughs> I'd, I'd still, like, it would have to be way wider. There were, I think, other guns that the german army used in world war one that might have fit a human there's hmm. big bertha big bertha what a good name for a gun. yeah it was like a super big howitzer hmm. just a gigantic fucking thing it looks like a chimney oh my god yeah well excellent. that's it that's that's it for the paris gun a horrible weapon but one that was insane and weird that's yeah i mean like that's just from like an engineering standpoint that is like a very interesting thing that existed mm-hmm i just i think it's fascinating and it's like the amount like they had to calculate their aim in concordance with the curvature and rotation of the earth oh my god that's that's like that's like that fucking mark Wahlberg movie shoot and it's all it's also they could like blow up one cafe <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just it's the most bullshit stupid evil reason and yet it's like Yes, we will devote, like, thousands of hours of resources to this project. God, Ridiculous. World War One was weird as shit. Yeah. Sure was. All right, that's it. Thanks for being on my podcast, Tom. You're welcome, Eric. I had a lot of fun. I like to talk about... I like to react to history. I like to tell Nazis that I think that they are stupid, bad people. And you know what? I like hanging out. I like spending time with my bud, Eric. Ah, duh, duh. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> Tom, do you have anything you want to plug? I know you did it like last episode, but still. That was on the last episode. I'm on the you know, I'm on the Media Majors podcast. I write about video games. You can check out my writing at nakedcriticism.com. There's a wide range of just general game criticism on there. That's I think all I have to plug. Follow me on Twitter at Thomas Lockney. L-O-U-G-H-N-E-Y. Yeah, do that. I am at Edaciously Yours on Twitter. You can find my personal website, NoCharacterIsSafe.com, which I actually updated for the first time in a long time. Oh, Yeah, I put a really short nonfiction thing from college on there because oh. I didn't have anything else new to put on there. I'll check it out. On top of that, I also do the Shmanime podcast, also on the Major Cast Network. And now you can go to PasteMagazine.com and search Eric McAdams to find a list of things that I wrote for them. It's mostly pretty boring news articles, but there's some stuff that I get to have fun with, so you should still check it out if you want. It's pretty great. He will. Eric is very good at being pithy in his news articles about, like, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. You, you described them as a domestic abuser and a, race, a racist in the news article. It was very good. 
Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. The uh, politics, edi- editor, politics editor clearly likes how leftist and mean I am. <laughs> clearly enjoys it. Ugh. And right. yeah. Well, th- everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Big Time Whoopsies. I've been your host, Eric McAdams. And, and I've been again, the guest, Tom Lockney. And catch us in another, or catch me in another two weeks for another episode of Big Time Whoopsies. It'll be real good, probably. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.